0: Welcome back to the Community Online Podcast. This week, we're joined by co-founding pastor, John Ferguson, as we kick off the series, Searching for Answers. Remember, you can always find us on Sundays, streaming live at communityonline.tv. We hope to see you there.
1: What do you do when you don't know the answer to a question? Uh, Let's say you're searching for an answer to a really important question like, when will Justin Fields finally be the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears? Or how about this question? How many calories are in a slice of Chicago-style deep dish pizza? Uh, Just a word of advice, don't look up the answer to that question, you really don't want to know. But what do you do when you have a pressing question that needs an answer? Now, you Google it, right? Yeah, we open up our browser, we type the question into the search bar, and away we go. Now, I thought it would be fun to look back at my most recent search history. My last three searches, Chicago Cubs best prospects for 2022. We sure need some. Uh, Tasty desserts in Lincoln Park. And how many calories are in a slice of thin crust pizza? Again, sports and food. But people are searching for answers to all sorts of questions online. And so for this series, we researched the types of questions people are asking. Uh, Some questions are really practical. And we might call them hand questions because they deal with something we want to do Questions like, how do I fix a leaky faucet? Or what's the optimal thermostat setting in the summer? Now, we all know it's 65 degrees. No need to Google that. Other questions are more heart questions because they deal with how we feel. Questions like, how do I discover my purpose in life? Or how can I become a more patient person? And finally, many questions we ask would be considered head questions because they're about increasing our knowledge and understanding. Now, the question we wanna ask today is kind of a, combination heart and head question. And it's one that is frequently asked online. The question is this, how do I deal with anxiety? How do I deal with anxiety? Now, I don't think I have to ask for a show of hands or for you to comment in the chat to know that all of us experience anxiety. Uh, There are many different causes to anxiety, but three seem to stand out. Yeah, one of the leading causes of anxiety is change. I'm not talking about the kind that gets lost between the cushions in your couch. (laughs) I'm talking about change like what we've experienced over the past 18 to 24 months due to the pandemic, political upheaval, and just an array of global catastrophes. I mean, if there's been one constant over the past year and a half, it would have to be change. And that causes anxiety. In fact, researchers speculate that the Western world's environment and social order have changed more in the last 30 years than they had in the previous 300 Change causes anxiety. Another major cause of anxiety is hurry. I mean, we have become so busy, it seems impossible to catch up or keep up. The frenetic pace at which most of us live our lives is taking a toll. We are stressed out, we're worn down, and we're fed up, and that too makes us anxious. A third major cause of anxiety is, well, personal challenges. Um, It could be a relationship that has turned out to be nothing like what you hoped it would be. It might be a financial or career challenge that just has left your future very uncertain. And sometimes it's a physical illness or diagnosis that suddenly feels absolutely overwhelming. We all experience anxiety. Uh, None of us are immune to it. But, you know, there is a range to which we experience it. Yeah, on the one end of the spectrum is what we might call everyday anxiety. You know, that's when you get sweaty palms or muscle tightness or question your ability to complete a task. None of us enjoys these fairly common, maybe even everyday levels of anxiety, but they don't usually interfere with our ability to function. In fact, I mean, this kind of anxiety can sometimes help us. It can motivate us to work towards a goal or warn us about a potential threat. I think most of us would agree that in high school or college, anxiety about an exam was sometimes the very motivation we needed to finally sit down and study. So everyday levels of anxiety can actually help us. But on the other end of the spectrum are clinical levels of anxiety. Uh, Clinical anxiety can feel like what one author calls a meteor shower of what-ifs. It can take away our breath, our sleep, our energy, and even our health. This kind of anxiety can interfere with our ability to function at work and even in our relationships. So yeah, everybody experiences anxiety somewhere on this spectrum, And let me just encourage you, if you feel like you might be on the clinical end of it, there is help available. Uh, For many people, healing will include therapy and, and medication. And let me just say, there is no shame in that at all. I spent more time with a therapist in the last year than ever before, and it has been helpful. So you're not alone, you're not broken if you can't pray away your anxiety. And as a way to encourage you to reach out for that help, I want you to hear from my friend and coworker, John Sysniewski, as he shares about his journey with anxiety. It was about two years ago
0: that I realized for the first time that I have battled anxiety my entire life. My primary symptoms, and I think this is different for everyone, just a fear. And not of anything in particular, just, just fear, and it was almost always coupled with dread, especially in the evening. But that was all on the inside. I, I, I mean, I was afraid to, to sleep. I couldn't sleep well, but externally nobody would know. I mean, even Amy didn't know. You know, eventually you just get to a point where you, you've got to tell somebody, but I suffered silently for for far too long. You know, one night I, I was just trembling and I, and I wasn't sleeping and I told Amy, I got to get some help. I'm going to reach out to my friend Dawn who I knew uh, was, uh, was a was a psychologist and I'm literally like in tears and I'm just pouring out uh, how I'm feeling, how I felt this way before. and at the end she said, john, you're you're suffering from anxiety and there are a number of things that I want to recommend for you to do long term, but in the short term, you really need to get on some medication. I had all sorts of uh, of reasons to to push back and say no, I don't I don't want to do that. And I think it was an admission that, I had a problem that I couldn't fix myself. And so if I took medication, that was sort of like, um, I can't fix it. I I, I need help. But I needed help. One of the things that Dawn said in addition to medication would be counseling. I think through counseling, you begin to realize, you're like, okay, I I can get through this. I I can see all of those things now that, that contributed to it. And when you can identify and articulate that, quantify it, you can actually formulate a plan to, to tackle it. I would encourage anybody to, uh, have conversations. Maybe, maybe you're afraid. Maybe you're scared. But uh, talk to your spouse. Talk to a close friend. Somebody that is going to walk alongside you and and see you through it. Uh, talk to your doctor. Schedule an appointment to talk to a counselor. You know, we think we we know best, but. I didn't know best, and there are other people that are educated and skilled in this, and and we need to reach out to them, and we need to allow them to to bless us
1: um, the way they're trained to. No matter where you are on this spectrum of anxiety, there is wisdom in scripture that I know you will find helpful. In fact, I find it interesting that according to Amazon, who developed the Kindle Reader, and the most widely read Bible app called YouVersion, they say two of the verses that we're gonna look at today are the most highlighted verses in all of Scripture. And interestingly enough, they address this challenge of anxiety. And they're these words from the Apostle Paul to a group of Christ followers. He says this, "'Do not be anxious about anything, "'but in every situation, by prayer and petition, "'with thanksgiving, present your requests to God.'" And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus." Now, at first glance, you might think, oh, that's really helpful, don't be anxious. <laughs> like it's a light switch I can simply turn off and on. Now, I will come back to that later. But before we dig into this passage more fully, I wanna address how a spiritual framework like this can really be helpful. You see, sometimes we approach scriptures like this one, you know, where we're told, do not be anxious as if our minds were a cup full of anxiety that just needs to be emptied so it can be filled up with something else. After all, the cup can only hold so much before it overflows, right? Uh, Maybe you've even had someone say something like, just stop doubting and trust God. You know, like doubt needs to be emptied out of that cup before you can replace it with trust. And we do this with grief. We think we have to empty ourselves of grief so we can move on with our lives. But we're not wired like that. The mind is not like a cup that we can just empty of these emotions. Instead, it's more like a scale. And we believe that Scripture takes this understanding of our hearts into account. You see, in our humanness, we're going to struggle with emotions like anxiety. But see, God offers us truths and principles in Scripture as counterweights. So we don't have to deny the heaviness of what we carry. We don't have to apologize for feeling the way we feel. No, instead in the midst of those feelings and emotions, God offers us counterweights that won't make those feelings go away, but they will provide strength and stability as we recognize that God is with us. He is good and there is hope. So I want us to see these words from God today, not as some magic pill that will make our anxiety disappear, but instead, see, I want us to see these words as a counterweight to those anxious feelings. The apostle Paul here is writing to Christ's followers in a city called Philippi. And when Paul wrote this letter to this church in Philippi, he was writing from prison, And if that wasn't hard enough, if you read up on his travels, you'll find that on his journeys, Paul was shipwrecked, beaten, spent a night and day in the open sea, had gone without food, water, or sleep for extended periods of time. Paul knew what it was like to feel anxious. And the people in Philippi, whom he was writing to, they were living in anxious times under Roman rule and in an era where they believed there were so many gods and goddesses out there to get you that you just knew something bad was almost always about to happen. So it's in that context that Paul offers these encouraging words. I'll tell you what, let's read a little bit more of that past passage. Paul says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, again, I'm not suggesting this is a magic pill or the perfect panacea to make your anxiety disappear. I am, however, suggesting that the wisdom found in these few sentences can provide counterweights that can help us deal with our anxiety, like it helped the people Paul was writing with, writing to deal with their anxiety. So let's look at three counterweights that we find here. All right, and the first counterweight is to celebrate. All right, Paul writes, "Rejoice in the Lord always." I will say it again, rejoice rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice." Now, most English translations use the word rejoice, which is technically accurate, but a better translation would be the word celebrate because celebrate brings to mind a focus on the good that is happening around us in spite of our circumstances. And Paul seems to be saying, yeah, you have reason to be anxious, but first I want you to throw a party. I I want you to celebrate all the good stuff that God is doing in and through you in spite of your circumstances. You know, just a few weeks ago, I was in a series of Zoom meetings over several days with some of our New Thing pastors from all over the world. And every one of these pastors from Africa to Europe to Asia to North America have endured incredibly challenging times over the past few years. And during these brief meetings we had on Zoom, they shared challenges and anxious moments they felt over the past couple of years due to the pandemic, uh, political unrest, and, and even division in their own churches but they also shared the amazing work that God continues to do in the midst of these incredibly difficult times. And so together we celebrated the good that God is doing. Lives transformed, new churches starting, families restored. And no, the celebration doesn't make the anxiety go away, but you see, it does counterbalance the struggles they are facing and begins to help make it all seem worthwhile. Celebrating when we feel anxious isn't easy. Uh, Sean Acor, a psychologist who teaches at Harvard, suggests, though, that we can train our brains to actually become more grateful by regularly celebrating. And he cites a study in which people were asked to take five minutes, just five minutes a day, to write down three specific things they were thankful for over the course of a week. They didn't have to be big things, but they had to be concrete and specific, like, I'm thankful for the delicious deep dish pizza I ate last night, or I'm thankful that my boss complimented my work. The participants simply expressed thanks for three specific things at the same time every day for a week. And the result, a month later, they found that the participants were happier and less depressed. And even those who stopped this practice still tested out happier and less depressed months later. There was like a long-term effect. The researchers discovered the simple practice of writing down three Thanksgivings a day primed the participants' minds to search for the good in their lives. Author Max Licato writes this, he says, grateful individuals demonstrate less envy, materialism, and self-centeredness. Gratitude improves self-esteem and enhances relationships, quality of sleep, and longevity. If it came in pill form, gratitude would be deemed the miracle cure. The celebration that Paul has in mind when he says rejoice in the Lord always is a conviction of the heart. It's a defiant claim against the powers of evil and despair where we declare that God is on our side, that he is with us and nothing life throws our way will ever break that bond. So that first counterweight to anxiety is to celebrate. Now, the second counterweight is to ask, to ask for help. And in verse six, Paul writes this. He says, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. In every situation, let me repeat that, in every situation. Now, it doesn't take a scholar to understand that this means there is never a situation in which God does not want you to ask for help. Do you ever feel like your anxiety is completely disproportionate to what's causing it? Do you ever feel that way? Or like, you know, maybe it's not big enough to bother God with it. Or or do you ever look around and you see people who seem to be dealing with way bigger stuff than you, and you think, man, why can't I deal with my stuff like they seem to be dealing with theirs? Truth is, I, I was feeling kind of that way the other day when I was in those Zoom meetings with those pastors from all over the world. Some were talking about how they fear for their own lives as they pursue the mission God has for them. And so honestly, I started to feel a little guilty for even feeling what I feel. And so sometimes out of guilt, I'll decide not to ask for help. Ever do that? Uh, But here God is saying, it doesn't matter what your situation may be. You can bring your requests to me. You can ask for help because I care about what you care about. And you know, when God says to ask for help, it may mean asking his people for help. That's why small groups are so important. And that's why sometimes finding a good therapist can also be so helpful. Uh, We actually have a mental health resource page. You can find it at communitychristian.info. I encourage you to make use of it. So how do we counterbalance our anxiety? We celebrate the good God is doing around us. Uh, We ask God for help. And then finally, we meditate. And here's what Paul writes about this. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, I want to ask you a question, okay? And in your mind, I want you to come up with at least two or three answers to the question I'm about to ask you. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. Here's the question. When you are feeling anxious, how would you describe your thoughts? When you are feeling anxious, how would you describe your thoughts? I'll tell you what, put some responses in the chat room if you would. When you are feeling anxious, how would you describe your thoughts? Here's how I would describe my thoughts when I'm anxious. Okay, here's my list. False, discouraging, desperate, concerned, doubtful, angry. Now, let me ask you, does it help your anxiety when your thoughts go in that direction? I didn't think so. Now, compare your list, okay, to what God says he wants us to meditate on when we are feeling anxious. All right, he says to think about whatever is true. Think about whatever is noble, right, pure. Think about whatever is lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. Let me ask you another question. Do you think it might counterweight your anxiety if your thoughts were more along these lines? I have a hunch it would. Author Frederick Beekner writes, in our lives and the world, the temptation is always to go where the world takes us, to drift with whatever current happens to be running strongest. When good things happen, we rise to heaven. When bad things happen, we descend to hell. We are in constant danger of being not actors in the drama of our own lives, but reactors. Folks, I don't need to tell you, there are so many strong currents in our world that can cause us to drift towards anxiety. They are everywhere. Social media is jam-packed with anxiety-inducing currents. But the good news is this, God has a better way. And his way may not make your anxiety suddenly disappear, but his way provides counterweights that can help tip the scales in a direction that leads us to peace. A peace he says, which transcends all understanding. And this is a peace we can experience when we celebrate and when we ask for help and when we meditate. You know, as we prepare for communion, I want to bring to mind the words of Jesus. He said this. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. And so with Jesus' words in mind, I want to lead us to practice these counterweights, okay? To celebrate, to ask, to meditate. And if it helps, you can close your eyes or maybe even take a posture of being open to God by placing your hands out, palms up like this. Okay, let's walk through these counterweights. So first, what can you celebrate? Uh, What has God done or is God doing in your life for which you are thankful? Go ahead and share that or celebrate that with God. Take a few moments to do that now. Next, what is something for which you need to ask God for help? Where are you struggling? I don't know, maybe you're feeling anxious over a relationship that's just not what you hoped it would be. Or maybe you're struggling with an addiction or physical illness of some kind. Uh, Maybe your finances are causing you anxiety. Whatever it may be, take a moment and ask God for help. Just go ahead and do that right now. Finally, we want to meditate. Meditate on the goodness of God, Uh, specifically the goodness and love of God in Jesus. He loved us so much that he would rather die than live without us. Who doesn't want a friend like him? And so let's take a few moments to meditate on his love as we receive the bread that reminds us of his body that was broken. And let's meditate on his love as we receive the cup, a reminder of his blood that was shed for you and for me.